Hello, Janesville, and welcome to the Park Place Podcast, the monthly program that keeps residents informed by highlighting the people, places, and partners of the city of Janesville in an audio format. As always, this program is brought to you by JTV Media Services in the city of Janesville. I'm your host, Nick Faust, and I'm the communications specialist in the city manager's office. In last month's episode, we were joined by Jane Goldberg, director of Janesville Mobilizing for Change. As her coalition continues its critical work to reduce substance use and promote mental wellness, it was wonderful to hear more information on prevention strategies, community initiatives, and upcoming programs. If you're interested in viewing that episode or any past episode of Park Place Views, they're all available to watch on the city's website or on JTV's YouTube channel. Today, we're joined by Chief David Moore and Sergeant Benjamin Thompson of the JPD. After another year that saw our community's crime rate decrease and ahead of a big summer of community outreach, I look forward to learning more about the JPD's efforts in keeping our community safe. But before we get too far into that, a little more about today's guest. Chief David Moore began his law enforcement career in 1977 with the Janesville Police Department. He holds a bachelor's degree from Mount Scenario College, Criminal Justice Administration, and a, bachelor, or a master's degree in public and corporate communication from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. He was appointed police chief in April of 2009 following a national search for the position. He's a graduate of the FBI National Academy and Northwestern University's School of Police Staff and Command. Chief Moore is a lifelong Janesville resident and is active in many community groups, including Janesville Morning Rotary. Now, Sergeant Benjamin Thompson began his career in law enforcement in June of 1999, also with the Janesville Police Department. He holds a bachelor's degree in criminal justice from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. He was promoted to the rank of sergeant in 2015, and in March of this year, he came into his current role leading the JPD's Community Services Division. As a part of these efforts, he helps oversee the school resource officer program, the department's training and hiring efforts, crime prevention, and community outreach. Sergeant Thompson is also a lifelong resident of Janesville and serves on the Gift Men's Shelter Board of Directors. Thanks for joining us today, gentlemen. Thanks, Nick. Before we get too far into the, the business, uh, I thought I'd maybe give you a chance to, to tell the viewers anything else uh, you'd like them to know about you. No, you really uh, did a nice job with the overview. <laughs> and As you mentioned, we didn't stray very far. We uh, no. stayed pretty close to Janesville. Yes, yes, some good quality lifers. We appreciate that. Uh, up top, I'd also be remiss, I think, uh, not to mention and really congratulate your team and your community partners on achieving a nearly 40-year crime low uh, in Janesville. Uh, with all the, the metrics that are included in that community crime rate, uh, any big takeaways for folks when it comes to that? Well, I think the most important item to understand is this is really the community's crime rate. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not the police departments. We really rely on the entire community to drive crime down. And that's, you know, with our partnerships in the community, it's the schools. Certainly parenting is, is a big right. part of it. Um, churches, Boys and Girls Club, YWCA, YMCA, um, all of us working collectively. That's what drives down a crime, right? It's yeah. not just, just the police department. But we're very fortunate to have a, a trusting community that mm -hmm. trusts its police department. Um, those communities that uh, have high trust in their police seem to do the best with their crime rates. Right, right. It takes that whole community collaboration, and and so important to underscore that. And Chief, I mean, for you in particular, being you know 45 years uh, with the force, and 13 of which is as chief, you've actually had quite literally a front row active view in that complete timeline of the, of that crime rate low. 
Um, what changes in, in community trends have, have you noticed in that period? Yeah, when I look back at my career, it seems now I'm talking in, sp in terms of decades instead <laughs> of just, just years. But I think it's the community involvement and the police department's problem-solving mm -hmm. perspective are the uh, big changes that I've seen. Um, you know, when I first started, um, officers would just uh, get in a squad car, go out in the field, answer their calls for service, maybe make tra some traffic enforcement and call it a day where we really expect our officers to be engaged with the community our various um, philosophies and, and initiatives that we have and um, just being out being a partner with the community and likewise um, the community is very um, involved with us and I think that's what really helps drive that crime rate down. Right, right, that forward-thinking uh, approach to it, problem-oriented policing as you discuss and as, as we think about those changes and trends in, in policing that you're thinking about how does the department stand the leading edge of, of newer concepts and strategies when it comes to law enforcement? You know, we constantly challenge our staff members to look at what issues are occurring locally, regionally, and mm -hmm. nationally. And um, as we look at those different levels of challenges for communities and policing, we try and forecast how that might look when it comes to Janesville and put action steps in place uh, to, to address it. Um, for example, um, uh, shootings in the workplace or active shooters, that's a low-frequency event, but we train a lot for those types of issues. So we're constantly looking out what's going on nationally. Um, most recently, there was the um, hate crime and shooting in Buffalo, New York, and uh, then this week our staff is making sure we're monitoring um, social media locally that we don't have any like-and-kind crimes here in Janesville. Right, right, those different perspectives uh, playing a role in that active, um, active effort. I'd also like to maybe then highlight one of those community-focused solutions a little, a little deeper, and the department's really championed it. It's, it's crisis intervention. Uh, I was wondering if perhaps either of you could, could speak a little more to the JPD's work uh, to connect mental health professionals uh, to folks that really need and deserve those resources. Yeah, pre-2015, pre you know, we were seeing a trend of a lot of our calls for service were focused around persons that were in some type of mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, and we weren't really doing anything or there wasn't anything that we could do per se other than try to help them in the immediate term. Right. Uh, 2015, we formed a crisis intervention team. Uh, that team continues to involve. Uh, it enables us to have easy communication with the Human Services Department from Rock County to discuss, you know, persons that maybe we are having frequent contact with that are, you know, appearing to maybe spiral into some type of repetitive behaviors and try to get them, you know, help on the front end, communicate, try to problem solve a strategy to improve their their mental health situation. Um, that program's evolved to an embedded crisis worker mm -hmm. uh, in 2020, and I think as the years go on, that'll continue to evolve for our department. Yeah, great to hear that it's that constant evolution and, and really problem solving uh, with community partners to, to establish that continuum of response that's so important for those folks. and. Even with things like that program and, and of course, our, our reaffirming uh, crime statistic decreases, 
uh, we know that, that there are certain issues in the community uh, and nationally, of course, that, that still require our attention and law enforcement attention. Uh, what areas of focus are, are really on the JPD's radar uh, when it comes to crime? Currently, um, gun crime. Okay. You don't have to look very far to some communities close to Janesville that are having uh, mm. very serious gun crime, lots of shootings, um, homicides. Um, we've been fortunate in Janesville. We average a little over one homicide a year, although that's as tragic as that is. It's yeah. certainly not the numbers that other communities um, are seeing. So we have built a nine-point plan um, mm. to proactively address um, gun crime, and the officers have embraced that, and it seems to be working well for us. We're also monitoring um, violence in the schools. Um, mm -hmm. I have to tell you, when I first started out in law enforcement, um, you never had a call for service um, yeah. in the schools. And now we have officers in our high schools, in our middle schools, and they are very busy. And even um, with the officers in the schools, we're still having patrol units uh, to assist. So that's something we continue to monitor and work as closely as we can. And a more recent nuance is uh, stolen vehicles. Mm. We seem to be um, kind of in this nexus of uh, Beloit and Janesville and Madison. And we have groups of um, young adults, uh, sometimes teenagers, uh, stealing these cars. They'll um, go to other communities and commit crimes. Right. And um, so that's another thing that we're watching. We're working very closely with Rockford PD, Beloit PD, and Madison PD to try and address that. We've made some arrests, but there are just multiple groups out there that are stealing stealing these cars. In one case, um, we had a car stolen in Janesville, and they promptly went down to Rockford and were involved in a school shooting. So we know wow. that there's um, serious consequences from these uh, car thefts. We often find um, the people that are stealing the cars are armed, yeah. and so it's, um, it's high-risk business for us. It certainly is. It is. And that, I think, really underscores, as we've been alluding to, that, that important regional cooperation with, with different agencies. And good to hear that you have a plan and, and you work so closely with those partners. I think maybe moving in a, in a natural transition, and Sergeant Thompson, uh, kind of your, your bailiwick and your role, uh, how does the JPD ensure that those important community relations and partnerships are sustained uh, and, and move the city forward in a positive direction? Well, I think like a strong community engagement mm -hmm. is the bedrock of a successful police department. You know, I think we need to listen to what our residents are saying, um, take note of the concerns that they have, and then act upon them. Yeah. For instance, this morning we had a coffee with the chief event yes. uh, resident, met with Chief Moore and explained uh, her concerns with some speeding on her roadway. If, if we don't take some type of action on that, I don't think that builds positive relationships. I don't think that builds faith in, right. in the department. For her, her issue is speeding. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to put our speed message board out there. Uh, we're going to deploy some officers to run some, some radar enforcement. So something as simple as speeding... Yeah. Maybe isn't a big deal to one person, but it, it's a big deal to her. And I think making sure every resident has a voice and make sure that the police department is meeting the needs of every resident is paramount. Yeah, yeah. Getting that feedback, 
actively seeking it and then in that all-important action step uh, towards towards proving uh, the commitment to it is is certainly great to hear that the department continues to do that and thinking about collaboration further and what our citizens can do like like your guest this morning in keeping Janesville safe uh, what what avenues are there for for citizens with concerns well I'll be very clear on this. People need to call us if they see concerning behavior. Mm -hmm. Time and time again, we find violent crimes in America. We find violent crimes in Wisconsin. And on the back side of the violent crime, all these people come forward and say, well, yeah, we knew this person was heading for trouble or yeah. we knew that there was this threat out there. And what we really need citizens in Janesville to do is give us a call. Um, put that burden on us. Um, we'll investigate it. Um, take the appropriate action, and really our hope is to avoid those very unfortunate circumstances by putting that responsibility on us to do the right thing. Yeah, and it's it's too often almost used in a cliche, but it is those those warning signs that people do notice that, that someone is off, a, a co-worker, a friend, a family member, uh, and, and being cautious about it and, and not being dismissive of a genuine concern that, that's so imperative and if folks at home have, have questions, for example, or, or they don't know, know where to go, necessarily not calling 911 right away, uh, where can they go to connect with somebody from the department? If, if it's just a general question about the department mm -hmm. or maybe how we could better meet their needs, by all means, they can give me a call, 608-755-3133. Uh, they can submit um, a question on the City of Janesville's website that we can mm -hmm. follow up with. Uh, if it's a crime in progress or information, the whole see something, say something type of thing, mm -hmm. then call the Rock County Communications Center, 608-757-2244. If it's an emergency, dial 911, of course. Mm -hmm. And if they, they don't want their identity to get out, they can submit information again through the City of Janesville's website on a Crime Stoppers link. Wonderful. Important to take, take use of those resources. and. We, we kind of began with, with some discussion on this, but certain crimes that are, are relatively infrequent or even declining in, in our own community, such as those violent crimes, uh, they're still very rightly concerning uh, when, when they do occur. Uh, however, given their thankfully infrequent occurrence, and Chief, you might have touched on this a bit, but how does the department stay prepared to protect Janesville during a critical incident? We train, train, and then train some more is really the answer. Those, those low-frequency, high-risk events um, really are our business, and we train a lot in advance anticipating um, those type of incidents, whether it's a high-risk vehicle stop that our officers become involved in. Um, and more frequently, we had the um, workplace violence uh, case with a manufacturer, um, and we trained hundreds and hundreds of hours for that active shooter type event. And in this particular event, um, we were um, uh, fortunate in that um, there was only one victim that certainly um, could have been different. Mm -hmm. um, but we were on the scene within two minutes and had the suspect in custody within 45 minutes. So in our world, um, that's, a, that's a pretty big victory. Our thoughts and prayers certainly go out to the victim in this case. Um, but those officers trained hundreds of hours for that type of response. So it wasn't just happenstance that yeah. we had that outcome. The Sergeant Sergeant Jimmy Holford was first on scene. He uh, went directly uh, to the victim. 
He created a warm zone for fire mm -hmm. uh, to immediately come in and provide advanced uh, medical treatment and um, saw that we took care of that victim as, as best we could and then went around securing the facility, making sure everybody else was accounted for and safe. But again, those things don't happen by accident. It's hundreds of hours of training that gets us there. Preparation is truly key. And, and I think just as, as that preparation is, is constant, uh, so too in, in your response is, is the role of technological advancements. And, and that's really in any career uh, in Janesville. But we see, we see technology shape every facet of our lives. Uh, and, and not to kind of throw it back to your tenure, uh, but how has really technology changed policing? And from a futurist perspective, where does that, where does that go? So you're much more kind than some of my staff. They, uh, <laughs> they allege I started out with horses and call boxes, yes. which, is, which is not accurate. Uh, but I can tell you when I started um, on the department, um, you know, we had uh, pretty low-tech radios, mm -hmm. Um, and paper files is, is what we had to work with. And now we've got, you know, in-squad computers. Um, everything is digital. It's really at the officer's um, um, fingertips. And that's, that's been a big change for our responses. By way of example, going back to that manufacturing shooting, um, early on we had a name of the suspect. And one of the officers on the perimeter brought up his computer and in within seconds, he was able to tell us where he lived mm -hmm. over by Evansville and what kind of car he drove. Yeah. Well, that information proved critical to getting that person into custody. Right. And it's that digital, immediate access to information um, that helps us. Um, also, other changes I've seen, uh, DNA um, yeah. certainly has, has um, been an important factor. Um, video cameras, whether it's the ring doorbells or business videos or the body cameras that our, our officers carry um, is a big change. And then there's uh, ballistic changes. And so a lot of more on the science end that gets us to the right suspect and able to make arrests. Yeah, tremendous asset. Uh, it really sounds like and good to hear that it's being actively employed. And Sergeant Thompson, I know... Um, one upcoming training maybe shifting a bit that the JPD is offering officers and, and those from surrounding agencies uh, is on the topic of problem-oriented policing. Uh, just for the, for the layperson at home, what does that terminology entail and, and what does it look like in practice? Well, I guess I should start by saying uh, thank you to Spectrum for mm -hmm. funding that training opportunity for us. It's something that we offered back in 2010 for our officers and and we've had officers retire officers leave so it, it was a good time to refresh refresh that training in simplest terms it's identifying a problem and then taking steps to resolve it so for instance maybe a neighborhood is there's some some issues going on in the neighborhood and we don't really know why the issues are going on um, looking deeper and possibly determining that the issues are stemming from a drug house that is in a neighborhood that's causing some type of friction or violence in the neighborhood and then taking steps to resolve that. I mean, that would be, I guess, be an example of problem-oriented policing. Yeah, wonderful that, that we're able to offer that training uh, and that a community partner like, like Spectrum made that possible. So very exciting. And I know a little less exciting. I'm, I'm sure everyone at home is familiar with the staffing issues uh, that we see in not, not only our community, but our, our national labor force as a whole. 
Uh, has the JPD experienced any of those effects, and what does today's recruiting look like for the department? Yeah, we've actually had significant turnover in the last three years. Since 2020, we've uh, we lost 27 officers wow. to retirement or other opportunities. Um, you know, today's recruitment, I mean, it has to be deliberate. I mean, yes. we're looking for for officers that want to spend the next 30 years working in the city of Janesville, working for the citizens of our community. So we have a recruitment team. They'll go out and speak at uh, high schools, colleges, go to careers fairs. We advertise in social media. We do do the traditional advertisement and, um, you know, police type magazines and um, newspapers. But then we also have a, a mentoring program where, um, you know, hopefully through that cadet type experience, it is offering people the opportunity to um, maybe see what law enforcement would be like and, and get them to be uh, become a member of our department. Yeah, and, and I think as we think about what it's like and wanting people to spend, you know, the better part or all of their careers uh, with the JPD, perhaps no better guests, uh, because I, I think I would wonder what personally and, and from what you folks witness on a daily basis, uh, why is or is policing in Janesville a rewarding career? And, and what are some of those aspects that make it such a special calling? You know, we're, we're very fortunate in law enforcement because if you look at our young workforce, um, they are very interested in jobs that have a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And that has been one of the strong points of law enforcement is that we're strong on purpose. Yeah. We go out and do wonderful things for our community and that can be very meaningful. So that's attractive uh, to our, our young um, employees. Um, we have many people interested in specifically Chainsville and uh, many times officers coming from other departments because of all of the programming yeah. uh, that we do. We have all these special teams embedded in the police department. You know, it might be domestic violence, chronic nuisance. Um, it could be CI, CIT, um, SWAT, motorcycle, but all of these different teams that you can sign up for to be a part of. And our philosophy is to bring young officers in the department into the department. We train a lot to make them good police officers. And then about that two or three year mark, we ask them what their passion is. And then based on what their passion is, we try and hook them up with those teams. And I've got to tell you, these folks go out and they just have good and great ideas and yeah. really serve the community well. Yeah, and that's that's beneficial not only uh, of course, for the department, uh, but for, for your officers, that you're doing that professional development and you're allowing them and empowering them to, to bring those new ideas and to apply their passion fully. And I, I think from, from staffing then to a similar but kind of different administrative perspective, uh, as the JPD looks to, to really maintain and sustain those uh, successes we've had, uh, what are a few of the department's funding priorities maybe for the next year and then a little beyond? It's all about staffing. Yeah. Um, it, it really is. Um, we are very um, lowly staffed um, mm -hmm. a department. If I were to staff to our peer city average, we'd be hiring um, 18 police officers wow. today. If I were to staff to a nearby communities officer per thousand, we'd be adding 
uh, 28 police officers today. So we're pretty lean. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of officers. The ones we have are invigorating and working hard and really serving the community well. But I've really got to watch this, um, this staffing issue. And it's not only the police officers, our records division. There's mm -hmm. more and more reports that are being um, typed and written, and then more and more open records requests where these reports have to be uh, vetted, and that, that takes time. And the most recent nuance, and this is a problem lying in wait, and that is our video cameras because DA's office and defense attorneys all want to have these these videos from the body cams and they have to be watched by a staff member and anything that is protected in those videos has to be removed so it's very um, time time involved and um, we're, we're, we're hanging on right now but um, you know we're gonna need some staffing help here staffing. in short order yeah staffing focus well and and as we move now I think in, into the summertime months, you know, it is June, and, and many things start to pick up uh, out and about in Wisconsin's Park Place. And, and for the JPD, uh, it means a busy season of, of community engagement uh, and forging those, those bonds. Sergeant Thompson, I was wondering if you could maybe fill our viewers in on, on the full slate of, of summer fun and outreach you folks have for us. Absolutely. So we're going to have our bike and motorcycle officers out and about, so it's a great opportunity to... Uh, to interact with our officers that are not in squad cars mm -hmm. and it's a little bit more uh, of an opportunity just to connect have those conversations they're out on bikes on the bike trails and right. you're down to farmers markets just different community events um, we have a couple of coffee with the chief events we have one june 1st at mocha moment we're going to mm -hmm. feature our canine program there we have one on july 12th at bodacious brew both of them are going to be 9 a.m. until 10.30 p.m. And we're going to feature our drone at that program. Oh, neat. And then we have another one planned for August at Havana Coffee. That date is still being finalized. Um, we have 10 uh, small neighborhood cookout events planned for the summer. Uh, frequently, we go into neighborhoods that we don't have the trust that we would like. Sometimes set up our basketball hoop and park our trailer in front of a drug house that our street crimes unit just took down and really try to build those relationships, build that trust that we're just lacking in those neighborhoods. And then, of course, we have our national night out planned for August that we're still trying to finalize. Yes, ever, ever a favorite uh, fixture for the community, but great to hear uh, that you, you and your, your team are busy uh, building those, those relationships. And, and just as there's fun, uh, in the warmer months, there can also be some crucial safety tips uh, that I think folks need to remember uh, as they look to have a safe summer. Uh, do either of you have any sort of summertime advice uh, to keep our community safe? Yeah, I, I, there's a couple of them that I have. I like to start with the home. Mm -hmm. um, having an open home, unlocked doors, unlocked vehicles. I mean, it just invites, you know, issues yeah so i just you know make sure your your homes and vehicles are locked up if you have valuables in the car try to put them in the trunk or out of sight um, if you're going to be away on vacation perhaps yeah. stop your mail stop your newspapers also you know perhaps think about waiting to post those social media posts yes. about your vacation <laughs> trip until you get home mm -hmm. um, you don't want to advertise it that you're out of town and nobody's going to be home other options are security uh devices or even like uh, light timers that can alert you know 
possible burglars that, you know, there's a light under that house. Maybe, maybe I should skip that house. Um, also, when I think about summer, I think people are out on bikes, they're running, they're yeah. walking. So just making sure you're alert if you're out in traffic. Have a properly fitted bike helmet. Um, you know, watch for traffic. Try to cross that crossing walks and just obey the, the traffic laws when you're out and about. Yeah, yeah. Invite our, our viewers and all of our residents to take that active role uh, in, in their safety and, of course, actively deter uh, any criminal activity. Um, and I think it'll lead into naturally our next segment, which is Park Place Inquires, uh, an opportunity for community members like yourself uh, to submit questions for city staff to answer right here on the program. This month's quite topical question comes from Tina T, who asks, what happens to seized property that the JPD takes possession of as a part of a criminal investigation? Uh, Chief, I know I'm never offered any of, uh, of the sweet rides, uh, but what really happens to, to all the stuff that you might acquire through an investigation? Yeah, I think Sergeant Thompson can help us out with that. Yeah, so you know, anything taken in, um, as a result of an arrest or an investigation, we hold until mm -hmm. the courts deem we can release it. Um, if we can release it back to the person, perfect, we'll do that. Um, some things like drugs or guns, yep. they're destroyed. Um, and then if we, we can't find the owner or the owner doesn't want it or we can't, we can't get it away, yeah. then uh, we take it to auction. Goes to auction. Very interesting. Something that might not be, be all that thought about, but certainly a process behind it. And if you're like Tina and have an inquiry you would like answered right here on this program, uh, submit it to us by emailing cojmedia at ci.janesville.wi.us. While your question may not be the one featured on the next episode, city staff will be happy to answer it for you. Well, gentlemen, uh, thank you for, for stopping by. Uh, it's always great to hear about the work the JPD is doing to, to make Janesville a safe and healthy place for all of our residents and visitors. Uh, I know the forward-thinking, proactive approach uh, that your team really takes to heart uh, is imperative to making that happen, so thank you. Good. Thanks, Thanks. And I want to thank you, our viewers and residents, for tuning in today and for all you do to help make Janesville a community of choice to realize life's opportunities. I also invite you to stay connected with the city by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, signing up for emergency notifications from the JPD via the Nixa Lab, and receiving our weekly city press releases by visiting www.janesvillewi.gov forward slash email lists. I also want to encourage you to tune into the program next month when I sit down with City Clerk Treasurer Lori Stotler. As the city prepares for a busy season of voting in the August primary and November midterms, it'll be great to have Clerk Treasurer on the program to share more about voting and all the other functions in the Clerk Treasurer's office. For the Park Place podcast in the city of Janesville, I'm Nick Faust. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again next month.